And we welcome you back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025, the game, hour number two, live this morning from Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena, the season opener, home opener for your Nashville Predators for the 2019-2020 season. Minnesota Wild in town tonight. Uh, we will call it the debut of Duchesne, but it's also the Duchesne debut, the Kevin Fiala return game. Wow. <laughs> Not that it's his first time back, That's but right. Kevin well, Fiala's back in town. And Mikhail Granlin gets to see his old team. When can we stop the return? Uh, now, today. Can we do it now? Like, after you've been back like three or four times. Yep. Like, now, yeah, you're not even, I mean, you're so far removed he, now. He did have like one of his most epic games of the season against the Preds in Bridgestone yeah. Arena last year. So. That is true. <laughs> you got a point there. Very um, true. Yep. Okay, so now don't forget, uh, free donuts, free coffee right now. If you want to stop by the tavern, uh, you can register to win a pair of tickets to the game tonight. Stop on out. We will pick a winner by 945 uh, and make that announcement, and then you can pick up your tickets at will call tonight. But D-Mace yesterday, he put on his lab coat, he grabbed his goggles, he took out his scalpel, he went into the laboratory, and he's ready for another (laughs) D-Mace dissection. 85, what did you see on the All-22? 85, what's live? I got to hear the music. The music pumping up a little bit. The music's giving me that juice. The autumn wind is a wide receiver <laughs> from I'm Detroit. Channeling my inner Marcus Mariota. There's a lot that of juice, juice to Derek Mason. Uh, this <laughs> whoa, whoa. What School Springs MD giving School you down Springs there? School Springs MD, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Once again, another installment of D-Mace Dissection. All right. Now, this game was interesting because you had a tale of two halves. You had the first half where Marcus was lights out. The second half where they just seemed to shut everything down, put their foot on the brake, and kind of cruise it on in. But I went over three plays. And usually what I do when I'm doing this dissection, I usually give incompletions and a, a, a completion. This game, I went total completion. Three completed passes. And I did it because Marcus did exactly what he should do as a quarterback. First play, we're going to say, trips right, zoom. First down, first to 25. Quick right, uh, trips right, zoom. Quick out. It's man-to-man. So, Z quick out. So, it's man-to-man coverage. Uh, Marcus drops back. Corey Davis goes in motion. And what happened, this, the reason why I like this play is because first and foremost, Atlanta's, when you, when you motion over an individual, you get to read man to zone. Marcus see right now that is man coverage against a secondary that is not good. You have three guys, um, A.J. Brown and Humphreys to the right. Corey Davis motions it over to the left. Now it's he and Johnu Smith. Marcus takes the snap. Corey Davis runs a five-yard out. Marcus hits his steps. Matter of fact, he looks it down. He doesn't even hit his step because he's in shotgun. He gets the ball from Ben Jones. Bam. Throws it to Corey Davis. But this is why I like this play so much. First and foremost, Marcus read the coverage exactly right. Secondly, he hit Corey Davis. He threw him open. He didn't throw it to him. He threw him open. And he gave Corey Davis an opportunity to do what? Turn it up, and you know how many yards he got after that? It was a five-yard pass, and he got an additional eight yards. That's considered a win 
for Marcus Mariota. What you do is you, you, you dissect the defense, you go in motion, you read the defense, you hit the player quickly, allow the receiver to turn the ball up and get extra yards. They did that exceptionally well last game against the Atlanta Falcons. Not just Corey Davis, but A.J. Brown as well. He did it twice. So this first play I pulled out, which was a trips right zoom. Zooming means the Z going across the motion. Corey Davis runs a quick out, five yards, turns it up, gets a first down. That's what you talk about, Braden, is that them averaging nine yards per pass attempt, basically a first down, which started off right. Yak, baby. Started off right. Yeah, and there's another one where it was third and 15, and he threw – like they were clearly playing sticks defense, and they throw to Corey Davis at about 11 yards. And Corey Davis turns up and makes the guy miss and leans forward and gets a first down. And what you want to see out of A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, which we have started to see, especially with A.J. Brown, is their ability to physically overpower defensive backs with the ball in their hands. Not, not for breakaway you know, 100-yard runs, but for that extra three yards, that extra six yards. Absolutely. Second play I chose to pull out is the touchdown play to A.J. Brown. They are in heavy formation, meaning they have one, uh, one uh, wide receiver in the game. They had double tights, two backs, a fullback and a running back. They are in the eye formation. So it's first down at the Tennessee Titans 45. It's 12 minutes left in the first quarter. We're going to go eye right, play pass right, X speed in. So the X receiver is A.J. Brown. He's the lone receiver on the field. What makes this play work extremely well is Derrick Henry and Marcus Mariota. A great fake by Marcus Mariota. I mean, he sold this. The line, both of the linebackers, and they're playing man-to-man, both of the linebackers jumped on the run play. A.J. Brown went, ran an excellent route. He got, the, he got the cornerback to turn his hips, and he ran a speed in. Again, what Marcus did was exceptional. He threw him open. He ain't throw it to him. He threw him open. Big hole in the middle of the field. And you know what? The big fella did the rest. <laughs> he stiff-armed the guy, changed the change direction, hit that, hit that fifth gear, and he was gone. Let me 45 ask, yards. Let me ask you something, Derek. You've you, you done a great job dissecting why the pass worked, uh-huh. getting the ball to A.J. Brown. Can you remember a receiver or a play where a t- Tennessee Titans, like since you played, mm-hmm. a Tennessee Titan took a pass like that, going full speed one direction, plants his foot in the ground, stops, goes back the other direction, and outruns everybody to the goal line for 55-yard touchdown. Can you remember a mm-hmm. wide receiver that made that play? No. It, if, it has, if, if, it has been, if a wide receiver has made that play, it's been far and few between. And the big fella has done it at least twice. Yep. Now, one time he didn't score, but right. he got a long play. This time he was able to score. And, what I, again, what I love about this play so much is that Marcus sold the run. The yep. linebackers jumped to try to stop Derrick Henry, and he hit the big fella, A.J. Brown, in the middle of the field. He threw him open. He didn't throw it to him. But he threw him open. Are you surprised, considering it's heavy personnel, that it's A.J. Brown, not Corey Davis in the one receiver set? You know is, what? is that telling? I am. The more and more I watch this team, the more and more I'm not surprised that when they go single receiver, they choose to have A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown is a more physical, physically gifted receiver than Corey Davis. Not to say that Corey's not physically gifted. I think A.J. Brown is a, 
is a more he's a he's a more devastating and dominating runner. He's a more vicious runner once he gets the ball in his hand. He's a more physically um, imposing presence. He's bigger than 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 Corey Davis. So when he gets the ball, he runs a little bit different than when Corey Davis gets the ball. Not to say that Corey Davis can't break tackles because he can, but I think they would rather have AJ Green, AJ Brown out there. Well, they would like AJ Green. Green too. There's no doubt. But AJ Brown, AJ Brown's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they would have, rather have AJ Brown out there because AJ Brown has the body type of a Delaney Walker. He's a guy that can physically overpower you, and when he gets the ball like this, he gets the ball in his hands very quickly with space. He's shown in the last two or three games that he can turn it up and make guys miss. Okay, we will get to the final play. You've got one more, right? Got one more play. Play number three on the other side as we continue with the D-Mace dissection. Uh, Don't forget Peter LaViolette, Predators head coach, will join us at the bottom of the hour. We're live this morning. Pete and Terry's Tavern, Bridgestone Arena, opening day for the Nashville Predators. We're back after this on Morning Drive. It is Morning Drive, live here on a Thursday from Pete and Terry's Tavern, Bridgestone Arena. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquis with you. Opening night for the Nashville Predators. The NHL got underway last night with four games. Preds get going tonight against the Wild. Peter Laviolette will join us for the first installment of Coffee with the Coach. That's coming up in just about 12 minutes. But right now, back to the D-Mace dissection Third and final play of what stood out to 85 on the All-22. Third and final play, and we've talked about this play a lot, uh, the third and 15 play, and you mentioned it earlier. Uh, oh, man, right. I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to. No, 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 it was <laughs> fine, because I, I, I think I talked about one of the plays uh, as well um, at the beginning of the show. But the third and 15 play, uh, they are in zebra formation. Zebra formation is three wides, one tight, uh, one running back. Uh, I'm going to call this play ace left off, which means the the running back is is to Marcus's left. Um, he's not in eye formation. Deion Lewis is in the game at this point in time. It's third fifteen. Then I say yo, yo means Y motion out. The Y receiver is Delaney Walker. He and Corey Davis is on the long, on the left side because the strength of this left side. That's why I say ace left off. Yo. Uh, and I'm calling this play San Diego. San Diego people is all slant. Now, what makes this this play? It's a simple play, simple coverage. But the but the reason I pulled this play out is because of not actually not the actual throw, but what happened after the throw. It's a quick inside slant by Corey Davis. He catches the ball and immediately turns the ball up. Now, it's third and 15. He catches a five-yard pass. He's supposed to get tackled. In, in, in just about every game, when you catch a five-yard pass and there's eight guys around, you're getting tackled. But here's what, here's what made this so good for me is that, first and foremost, Marcus gets the ball. He gets rid of it very quickly. What that does is allow Corey Davis to get up the ball, get the get up the field very quickly. It doesn't give the defense chance to set and drive on the ball. Corey Davis gets the ball and he immediately turns up. That's what we teach receivers in the NFL. Get the ball, don't dance around. Get the ball, turn up in your space. Go forward. We want to go north and south and not east and west. 
Corey Davis caught a five-yard pass and got an extra 10 yards, 11 yards, mind you, and got a first down. To me, if, if any team wants to play the Tennessee Titans this way, with the type of pass catchers that they have, violent runners in Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, then this is what will happen to teams. They love this. The Tennessee Titans love this. It was an easy pitch and catch by Marcus Mariota. He did an excellent job at getting the ball to Corey Davis so Corey can then turn up. Corey did an excellent job at turning up and running violently to get the first down. Third and 15, they capitalize, they move the chains, and I think ultimately they score on that drive. But that was a really good play call by Arthur Smith. Really good pitch and catch by Marcus, but then really good by Corey Davis turning the ball up and getting the first down. Let me ask something about Corey because we've talked a lot of this summer about Corey Davis needing to have more dog in him when the ball's in the air. Mm-hmm. He appears to have plenty of dog in him when he's got the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Like he 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 has these violent motions and he catches the ball and he's he's you know he's he's you know yanking defenders this way and trying to pull that way and like he breaks tackle like he's a violent runner. Once he catches the football, like he's a big 6'3", 210-pound physical guy. It, it, it seems like he's got that attitude and that edge after he catches the ball. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't it translate when the ball's in the air? Uh, that's, that's weird because I, I've always told guys that, uh, especially, you know, I played with the Drew Bennett who was 6'5". Six, six uh, I played with guys that was, you know, Clarence Moore who was at Baltimore with him. He was 6'6". Uh, DeVar Darling, he was 6'1". Uh, Kevin Dyson, 6'1", 6'2". I've always told those guys, listen, play your size. Do not play smaller than what you are. If you are a 6'1", 6'2", guy, play like you're 6'1", 6'2". You know, even yeah. smaller guys. I'm 5'11". I play like I was 6'4". You know, I play with a, with a, with a violent to me. And you I tell them with, about it, too. I played it with, a, with this edge. <laughs> I didn't want to play my size because if I play my size, I'm not going to get far. I told these bigger guys, play your size and bigger. Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, as of now, they are playing their yeah. size, and A.J. Brown is playing bigger. Yeah. But he's playing bigger than the 6'1", 6'2", that he is. Here, here's the issue, though. We know the Falcons are not a good defense. Yes. They can't tackle in space. They're undersized, and they're just not a good defense. When the Titans, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, any of the guys that you just highlighted in your dissection, when they play a more physical, imposing defense that isn't going to give you that easy five-yard catch uh-huh. to turn it up eight yards, can they still excel? Can they, can they excel against the Stephon Gilmores and the Patriots and some of the better defenses with more physically imposing players? Well, they're going to have to. Yeah. Um, but can they? I don't know if they can. Now, A.J. Brown has shown some traits. Corey Davis has shown, but it has to be consistent. They got to go into this Buffalo Bill game. And this is why, you know, yesterday I gave an early prediction because it was Corey and I. Uh, but this is why I, I think the Tennessee Titans win this game. It's because they have the more physical, imposing um, um, skill players. New England didn't have that. New England don't have 6'4", 6'5", 6'3", guys across the board. It's true. You got Corey Davis at 6'2", 6'3", A.J. Brown at 6'1", 6'2", and then you got Delaney Walker at 6'1". Well, did, Josh, got, did um, Josh Gordon play? He played. Josh yeah. Gordon, but he's really the only big receiver yeah. they have. The Titans have three or four big guys, yeah. sharp, that's 6'3". They have bigger guys that can impose their will. Now, Buffalo's defense and their secondary is good, but this is an opportunity for Corey Davis – 
A.J. Brown, and I'm not worried about Delaney Walker, but Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, and Sharp to play like big men. So I always said this. If you're six one six two, play like you're six one six two. If you're a center in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the paint in basketball, play like you're seven, play foot. seven foot. Don't play like you're six foot five. You're not going to get anything. Yeah, my, big guys play like you're big. I, I totally agree. They, I do think they've got a map. They can make some plays there. The, my bigger concern for this game, and I know we've got tomorrow a lot to, to break down the matchups even further, but my concern is the. You know, Jerry Hughes, Star Lutulele, Ed Oliver, Trent Murphy, Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah. Like, the, those, are the, those are the dudes that, that make me nervous is that whole front line and a couple of really fast, dynamic linebackers. Um, you know, they, they've got dudes that can run, and they've got physical guys in that front seven. So, Derrick Henry, I hope you got some, uh, some, some Advil and the ice bath ready to go on Sunday night because you're going to need it. Right now, it's your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Nashville SC take on Louisville City FC at First Tennessee Park on Tuesday, October the 8th. Just be caller number 5 right now, 615-737-1025. Caller 5 right now, 615-737-1025. You'll get a pair of tickets to see Nashville SC and Louisville City FC at First Tennessee Park. And speaking of firsts, it is the first installment of Coffee with the Coach, and we kick it off next with the head coach, Peter LaViolette, live from Pete and Terry's Tavern here on ESPN 102.5 Game. Had a chance to kick off, of course, Smashville Live last night. Special thanks to all the great Preds fans who came out. Uh, and want to say special thanks to one particular sponsor, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, for being a part of Smashville Live every single uh, episode last year and, of course, this year. And that's because they do their jobs. They do their jobs. They, every single shift, they go out there and they do their jobs. And that means whether they're coming out to your house for a checkup to make sure, uh, you know, from, you join the Comfort Club and they come out to your house twice a year to check your house out to make sure everything's running smoothly and efficiently and saving you money and, and making sure everything's running well. Uh, they also come out, and, and when you've got a big problem, they're going to come out and they're going to fix exactly what you need. They'll lay out all the information for you so you can make the most informed decision. They'll then provide you with a great financing option because they know not everybody can afford, whether it's a major repair or a small repair, they know not everybody can afford that stuff right away with one check, so they understand. Spring Hill Heating and Cooling understands. Proud sponsors of Smashville Live as the Preds get started tonight. Uh, and uh, listen, every single shift, they never take a night off. Spring Hill Heating and Cooling. SpringHillAC.com is the web. Website. We're not using the other guys anymore. That's why my family uses them. Two decades in the in the in the market. Uh, tons of local experience. It's why we use Spring Hill Heating and Cooling. They're your best bet. Every single shift they deliver. SpringHillAC.com is a website. SpringHillAC.com. All right, seven thirty on the dot. Welcome back in Morning Drive, ESPN one zero two five. The game we are. Live this morning, of course, Pete and Terry's Tavern, Bridgestone Arena, the season opener for the Nashville Predators as they will begin the 2019-2020 campaign, one of 82 against the Minnesota Wild, and it is time for coffee with the coach, and we welcome in the head coach of your Nashville Predators, Mr. Peter LaViolette. Coach, good morning. Happy opening day. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning. Happy opening day to you as well. Good to have you in. So one of the things that we were discussing to begin our show this morning was, you know, your willingness to tinker and shift around lineups and players and move guys up lines and down lines. So let's hear it from the source, uh, the the possibility of Philip Forsberg on the second line. What is the thought process behind that if, in fact, that is something that plays out? Well, that's a top line. I mean, uh, you put, start putting numbers on things, and people get kind of angry. So they, they, they're listed for us as one of the top lines on the team. And, 
Um, you know, all three players um, bring something special, I think. And, um, you know, Granlin is a, a really good worker and a terrific playmaker. Sees the ice really well, the ability to create. I think Forsberg and Duchesne are real dynamic players. Um, possess a great shot and a lot of talent and a lot of individual skill. And we're thinking that it could be a good line. So, you know, the fact that we can put together a couple lines um, – that we feel really can be high octane and still have good balance underneath that. Um, we're going to try that and see how it looks. You know, Coach, I asked David Poyle this last night. You know, how, how long do you use uh, – how long a window do you use to sort of evaluate something, whether it's a line or a defense pairing or a power play strategy, whatever it may be. You know, and obviously the general manager's viewpoint is much longer – you know, longer-term approach than the coach's standpoint. So for, for you personally, how do you – uh, uh, evaluate things that are going on with your team. Do you want to see it for four or five games? Can you can you know in practice? Can you know in one shift? H- how long? Because I think it's tough for hockey fans sometimes to understand how much data they need before you can make a decision. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to weigh everything out. Um, you know, ultimately we have to win hockey games. I don't think that you can stick with something and you know start the first ten games with one win and then still say that you're going to stay with it. So. Um, I think success, not only from a line <laughs> from a line standpoint, but from a team standpoint, I feel like that drives um, drives what you do on a daily basis. And um, if that line is fine and success, and our team is successful, and there's still balanced scoring um, that comes with that, then you continue to look at it longer. If you feel like the the game's being played the right way, and your team's getting the results, it it, it affords you the luxury of staying with things longer. Um, but you can't, I don't think you can stay with something just because you think it's right uh, if the results aren't there. So it's something that we'll keep an eye on. I, you know, I think it's a, a good starting point. Um, you know, Craig Smith moves up in there. We tried different guys on the left wing for Johansson and Arvidsson in training camp. And ultimately, I think Craig Smith has those qualities and attributes. He's been a 20 goal scorer and um, close to a you know, 45, 50 point guy. Uh, this is a guy who could really benefit from extra minutes and playing with a guy like Johansson and Arvidsson. So we're going to start this way, and again, from there, I think we'll evaluate. Now, Coach, uh, we, we understand this is, this is a long season, and at each juncture in the season you want to see different things from your team. What is it that you want right. to see from your team tonight in the open, opening night? Uh, what do you want to see from them? Well, I think, you know, you can always go about your business and, and hope that if you do your business the right way, it'll lead to the results. And I really like training camp. And I do think that every year it's a new team. It's not the same team. You can't talk about one year ago. You can't talk about four years ago. Um, you have to talk about today and the day that you're in and the team that is presently with us. And we feel like it's a really good group. Um, training camp was what I really liked about training camp was that it was a hard-working training camp. I thought in all the games the competitiveness was really good. The speed was good. Um, you know, even in that last game where we had recalled some guys because we were just banged up a little bit, we didn't want to risk anything. I thought our guys, you know, we, we, we went into that first period and, and Carolina with their full lineup that went to the conference finals, they gave it to us a little bit. I liked our pushback in the second period. I liked our competitiveness and the fact that I thought we overtook them a little bit in the third and then scored in overtime. So throughout the whole training camp, I guess I was just really happy with the, with the speed and the pace and the, the battle level in which we played with. And 
I'd really like to bring that to the table first and foremost tonight um, with our players, and, and I feel like we can find success inside of that. Peter Laviolette joining us here on Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Coach, last spring you guys brought in guys like Wayne Simmons and Brian Boyle, heavier players, net front presences. Uh, It ultimately did not result in a Stanley Cup. Those guys are gone. Do you feel like that is an issue from a personnel standpoint on the roster this year, and how do you counter that? Yeah, well, uh, there's no question that there, there was some size in those guys that you're talking about. I think when David Poyle and I were talking about uh, this aspect of our team and what we may or may not need to do, one, we feel like we've got some guys that play physical. Um, Matthias Ekholm plays physical. Colton Sissons plays physical. Austin Watson plays physical. So we've got some guys that I feel like can go out there and really, even our top players like Johansson and Forsberg, they're physical guys that can play um, with an edge and with some attitude. If we feel like we need to go down that road, I think the decision was made, both David and I talked about this, that we feel like we have these pieces inside of our system. Um, a guy like Tenorti, who got a good long look at training camp, he's 6'6", he's mean, he's, um, he'll, he'll fight if he needs to for his teammates. Uh, we got guys like Salamaki who cleared waivers, who can come back up. We're really, um, I guess we're really happy and, and he, you know, he's, he was, Maybe that he was thinking there could be another opportunity. That didn't happen with another National Hockey League team. We're really excited that he's still part of our organization because if we need that, we could recall him. We have guys like Matthew Olivier who plays a physical, heavy presence role down in Milwaukee, a young player, and we made a decision that we were going to use our farm system, and if, if that's what we're looking for, we feel like we have it in-house. Coach, you know, you've been doing this a long time. You've been a head coach in the NHL for a while, and, and evolution is the, is a part of every professional coach's life cycle. How are you different to, at this point of the season, going into game one? How are you different? What have you tweaked? What are you doing differently this year that you've learned over your years in, in Nashville here that you now are, are putting into place this year? I think you're constantly looking at the game that you play. Um, you know, there's some minor changes without getting it into the radio here. There's some minor changes that we've, we've made to the system. We looked at a, a major change, and um, I think you try things and look at things, and then that major change I wasn't real comfortable with. And so I think there's things systematically that you look at and you talk about, and um, you either evolve into that or you don't evolve into that, depending on what you're looking for from your team. Um, you know, from a, I guess from my standpoint, you know, I look at our team as a, a team now that's been together for quite a few years, the core of it. Um, I've really tried to hand it over to them this year and um, give them some, some say in how we go about our business. Um, these are the guys that are on the ice. They're terrific leaders. They're terrific veteran players. And I'm counting on them to, to make sure that we're doing the right things. Of course, there's always the presence of the coaches and the coaching staff, but I really feel like this is their team this year, and um, they want to they grab, grab the, the bull by the horns, and we're going to let them. Now, Coach, how patient can you be or you need to be with an individual without disrupting the chemistry of the team, um, whether it be moving a guy around to try to get him going? How patient do you need to be or have to be throughout an 80-plus game, 80 game season uh, without disrupting what you're doing as a, as a ball club? Yeah, I think, I think you need to show some patience with your team and with what you're trying to do. You know, you mentioned making moves to the, 
the Forsberg line and, and creating another top line with Forsberg, Duchesne, and Grandin. Like, you know, that's a move inside of your team, and I do think that it requires some patience. I think you have to watch it. It can't be at the expense of not being successful as a group. So, um, you know, guys do move around the lineup all the time. There will be guys that move in and out of the lineup. we got a couple of players that won't be in the lineup tonight. I have a tremendous amount of confidence in these players, and they've made our team, and, and at some point they're going to play. So I do think that that pushes people to perform and to, to really play the game and compete. Um, but that's a good situation to be in. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching our guys play that we have tonight, and, and from there we'll make adjustments. But I do think you have to be patient and see what you've got and, and let those players play their game. Coach, always a pleasure. We appreciate the visit. We'll chat again in a couple of weeks, and best of luck tonight and, of course, all season long. Thanks, guys. Great talking to you. You yep. got it. Coach Peter Laviolette joining us here on Morning Drive. So I, I, I was going to follow up and say, well, what was that big change, Coach? But uh, yeah. I knew for a fact he wasn't going to answer that. Well, no. I sure would like to know what that big tweak he was considering would, would have been. Like, UC Soros? Well, I, Probably I, not. No, I, I think Roman it, Yossi playing on the power on the forward line. Probably not. That question, uh, and I think he knew what I was saying, and it was in regards to Turris and how patient can you be with an individual without disrupting what you're doing as a ball as a as a I said ball club, <laughs> but he he knew what I meant as a hockey team. Uh, how many times do you change an individual without disrupting what's going on? Um, and, and, and that's that's a task that he's going to have to really pay attention to because, I mean, Turs is making $6 million, and they got to try to find a way to get him going. But do you do it with, at the expense of everybody else? Yeah. Coming up at 9.30 this morning, we will ask all of the important questions to our buddy Hal Gill, Preds radio analyst, will also make his first weekly appearance here on Morning Drive. But the one thing that probably hasn't gotten enough tension, uh, attention this past offseason, this summer, and into the early portions of the fall with the Predators, we will get to next. I asked Lavi the question. We'll delve into that more after this, live from Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena on ESPN 1025 The Game. Back in here live on a Thursday, it is Morning Drive, as we are at Pete and Terry's Tavern, Bridgestone Arena this morning, Nick Braden. D-Mace and Marquise. Joe Rexroad will join us coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, also, we're going to get some Buffalo Bills perspective on the Titans-Bills matchup on Sunday. That'll kick off the final hour of the show. Plus, Hal Gill will join us coming up at 9.30. But I mentioned to Lavi when we just had the head coach on last segment, you know, this past spring before the trade deadline, David Poyle made a couple of moves. They needed bigger, heavier, net front presence types of guys, whether that was Wayne Simmons or Brian Boyle. We spent the offseason talking about, will Turris get moved? How do they get him going? Can they fix the power play? They hire Dan Lambert. Will Roman Yossi get the contract? When will it happen? All of these things we've discussed. One thing I don't think we did enough talking about is all the guys that Poyle brought in as, quote, rentals are gone is that going to rear its ugly head this year? You know, I still think that that is you – know, and the stock answer from those guys are, man, hey, we, we like our depth, our versatility, our flexibility, and the way the game's going. It, that, 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 that component of hockey is sort of becoming less and less important. And then you get to the playoffs. And you realize you need it. And you realize you have to have it. And so I still am concerned 
if you're looking at this roster and you're saying, where is the weakness on this roster? It, it, there's not many. It's a very good roster. There's just, there's just not a lot of Austin Watsons on this team. And that was Brian Boyle was a very effective addition to this roster last year. Mikhail Granlin and Kyle Turris, you know, these guys are all the same. I mean, Rocco Grimaldi, Rem Pitlick, they're not mm-hmm. got potential options you could call up. They're not exactly 6'4", 235 and want to stand in front of the net. Matt Duchesne on the power play is going to be in front of the net. Even Matt Duchesne is not a net front guy. So th- these guys are smaller, skilled, speed guys. And at some point, you do have to kind of look at this team and go, all right, like I know Colton Sissons will go stand in front of the net, but that's, you know, he, he mostly does it on effort. You know, Arvidsson will do it as well, but then he's got his patented jump, you know, jump out of the way of the puck thing. He's not exactly a, a big guy. Uh, Austin Watson is the one guy you look at and go with his size and 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 strength that you could throw him down in there. Craig Smith is a larger guy, but not a net front guy. I still think that's a concern. I still think I would want that player at the deadline to be the target and focus of, of David Poyle. Well, I think they will. It it depends on how the season goes. Um, if they indeed need a net front present guy, presence guy, then I think they go out before the trade deadline and they get it. Um, they're going to. I think they're going to need it entering the, into the playoffs because we saw what happened last year. Uh, you know, these smaller guys um, in a seven-game series is not going to be able to hold up against a bigger unit. Um, and I know at times speed kills. But when you have, you know, some big guys leaning on these smaller guys, then eventually they wear down. And we saw that last year. So they did it last year by going to get um, Simmons and um, Boyle, um, Brian Boyle, um, bigger guys that can sit in front of the net, physical presence. I think they're going to end up doing that again uh, right before the trade deadline. Uh, But I think it all is predicated on how well they're doing during the season. Do they go out and get one? guy or do they go out and get multiple guys like they did last year you you know it's funny is we we live in a day and age where everybody loves offense and speed and skill and just to compare it to two other sports you know you look at the golden state warriors they got all these shooters all these perimeter players wing guys but they need a guy like draymond green somebody Mm -hmm. that gets down low gets physical gets rough in the paint you look at the carolina panthers years ago they had d'angelo williams and jonathan stewart and they did a lot of things, but they also had a guy named Mike Tolbert that would get you that one or two yards between the trenches when you needed it. You need these, and the NHL is more wide open in space and you know skill and up and down. It's a frenetic sport more than ever. The days of the Broad Street bullies are over, but you still need that guy. Oh, yeah, you still need a guy that's going to be sort of that, and I know they don't call them goons anymore. Um, but he needs to be that physical presence, that guy that that they know when you're out there. They feel when you're out there. Um, and and we saw it last year in the playoffs for the Predators. Um, and, and, again, I say it, it depends on how the season's going, uh, whether they go out and get one or two of those guys. Because I think ultimately uh, you're going to need a bigger guy uh, to stand in front of the net or a bigger presence out there to – can be that physical enforcer um, that that's known for it around the league. Uh, so eventually, they're going to have to go out and get that guy. Uh, it's you just hope that the necessity isn't so much so that 
they're scampering and they're right. they're they're they got to give up more than what they want just to get a bigger guy. Well, and I do think that you know you don't you don't have to go get the best guy in the world either, right? Like you don't have to pay for an elite level guy at that. You can. This is the beauty of the hockey trade deadline. So many players move teams that there is there are tiers of deal that you can reach. You can go for a big name guy and try to get Matt Duchesne's of the world, like like they did with Kyle Turris when they acquired him, or at least they thought. You can also go trade like I don't know, like a fourth round pick for a, a rental who's thirty six years old who might score you a couple power play goals and stand in front of the net the way Brian Boyle did last year. Mm-hmm. He wasn't exactly an expensive acquisition, so you can go get a third or fourth line player that will give you that, and then all of a sudden you've got that piece that you can use on the power play, and you've got so it's not exactly that. that the beauty of that is that that's one of the easier things to go acquire mm-hmm. at the trade deadline. If you're trying to get a top line center, harder to do. Goaltender, harder to do. You know, number one defenseman, much harder to do. Like, there's much harder things to acquire at the trade deadline. Getting a, a third or fourth line winger who can stand in front of the net because he's a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. that's, that's a little bit easier to find. And so I, I would trust David Poyle because he did it last year. I think he could do it again this year. Okay, so if you guys want to go to the season opener, the home opener tonight, all you have to do to register to win a pair of tickets is stop on out today and see us here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. We are going to randomly draw a winner and announce that winner coming up at 945 this morning. Tickets will be left for you at Will Call. So you stop on by this morning. You don't have to be here for the announcement. You'll get your tickets at the arena tonight also this morning uh free breakfast we've got coffee we've got donuts there's going to be great specials here at pete and terry's all day long a lunch special craft beer and a burger for twelve dollars and fifty cents happy hour specials from three to six p.m and uh the midday show as well as the afternoon show will both have your chance to win tickets coming up later today on their respective programs we will come back we will kick off our number three of the show with our buddy joe Rexroad from the athletic and then also some good stuff from knoxville uh in the third hour as well it's morning drive live from pete and terry's tavern we're back after this on espn 1025 game